Do you believe with full confidence that are you a sheep or are you a goat? We'll be unpacking that question as we move along this message this morning, but are you a sheep or are you a goat? So without further ado, before we begin and dive into God's Word, let's bow our heads and let's pray, and then we'll dive into God's Word. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the rain last night. Lord, we just pray as we gather in your house this morning that you be glorified. Lord, that you be worshipped above all name. Lord, that we focus on your truths as we open your, your Word this morning, of things that have not happened just yet, but they are coming quickly. Lord, bless this hour, Lord, and we ask these things in your Son's holy and precious name, Jesus Christ, amen. So without further ado, let us begin in Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. We've got a lot to talk about this morning, a lot of content to go through. So starting in verse 31, this of course is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and Jesus says this, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right side and the goats on the left. Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, You who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Verse 40, and the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire and to the eternal flame which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer also with an answer. Lord, when when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and we did not care for you? Verse 35, and then he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do this to the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So this morning, before we unpack just the verses that we just read, let me just paint a picture of context. What on earth is going on in Matthew 25? 
because we're literally diving into the latter part of a discourse, a moment of teaching by Jesus to his disciples, what is known as the Olivet Discourse. Olivet meaning the Mount of, uh, Mount of Olives, where Jesus frequently taught his disciples, taught the people. And this discourse is interesting. It's the last of five moments of teaching by Jesus to his disciples. So not only is it the last discourse before Jesus goes to Jerusalem to be crucified for the sins of the world, what also makes this discourse unique is that it is eschatological in content. It is the end times, uh, Jesus describing what hasn't happened just yet. This is in the future. This is, uh, the, these things have not occurred just yet, the end times. What is it going to look like before you come back? What's going to happen? And for centuries, we've had biblical scholars and theologians, and they've debated, they've discussed, they've shouted, they've yelled at each other on what on earth is going on, trying to crack the code, if you will, of what hasn't happened just yet. Because Jesus describes before the Son of Man returns again, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and the abomination of desolation, the activity of the Antichrist and the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem. But despite all of the discussion, the debate, the argument of what hasn't happened just yet, when it comes to eschatological passages, when it comes to things that have not happened just yet, it is impossible to fully understand what's going on. So this morning, rather than trying to discover the impossible, rather than trying to crack the eschatological code, if you will, today, this morning, we are going to know what Jesus is going to do at the end of the age. Instead of asking ourselves, what would Jesus do, WWJD, we're going to ask the question, what will Jesus do? And while we await for Jesus' return, we will affirm of what we are to do in the meantime. So if you have your listening guide on the back of the bulletin, we will discuss five things that Jesus will do in the end times. And the first will be found in, in verse 31, Jesus will come back in glory. Can I get an amen? Jesus will come back in glory. Until Christ returns, again, we've got biblical scholars and theologians and people who have for centuries tried to figure out who Jesus is. Is Jesus a man? Is he a myth? Is he a legend? Is, is Jesus just a, a man of skin and bone? Is Jesus a ghost? Is Jesus an apparition? Did he really exist? Were these just the stories found by 12 fishermen spread across the world? And unfortunately, here in the United States, our American culture, as it continues to walk down a destructive path of sin and darkness, more and more people have concluded that Jesus isn't real, that Jesus doesn't exist, that Jesus was just a man, that Jesus was just a spiritual buddy, that Jesus isn't God, that Jesus is just a character, a caricature of, on the, uh, of things on the internet. And up until that day when Jesus comes back, 
People are going to deny Jesus. People are going to rebel against Jesus. People are going to ignore Jesus. People are going to hate Jesus. But on that day when Jesus Christ comes back in glory, the debate will be over. C.S. Lewis says it best. He asks the question, who is Jesus to you? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? And the day that Jesus comes back, Jesus will tell everybody that he is who he says he is. And we find this also in in the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians found in chapter 2, verse 9, where he says that God has highly exalted King Jesus and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and, and, and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you have a pen or a pencil, underline, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When Jesus comes back in glory, the debate will be over. Jesus is who he says he is. And what is interesting is when Paul talks about when Jesus returns and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess, he's not just talking about believers, y'all. He's not talking about those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, those who recognize Jesus as he comes back and bends the knee in reverence and in glory and in honor and confesses that Jesus Christ is in fact the Lord. Not only believers will do that, but unbelievers as well. Atheists, Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, they will bend the knee And their tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The dispute will be over. Jesus, the Son of Man, he will come back in glory. That's the first thing that Jesus will do. So Jesus will come back in glory. And second, Jesus will gather all peoples to himself. Now, I've done the research, I've done the homework, I've calculated the numbers. My calculator wasn't strong enough, wasn't big enough because... Doing a little bit of research, there is over 7 billion people in this world. 7 billion. And that number continues to grow every single day. There are over 200 recognized countries in this world. And that number continues to grow today. There are over 5,000 ethnic groups in this world, and the number keeps growing today. There are roughly over 6,500 6, languages that are spoken in the world today, and that keeps on growing. That's a lot of people, y'all. That's a lot of people that will be gathered together, that Jesus will gather to himself. But wait, there's more. See, I was talking about people who are alive today. And Jesus says that all peoples will be gathered together to himself. That includes people who are alive and people who are dead. And there's not a number big enough to fathom the amount of people who are no longer with us in this world. But Jesus is going to gather all peoples to himself We find in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, he is to judge the living and the dead. Jesus 
will come back in glory. Jesus will gather all peoples to himself. People will surround King Jesus, those who are both dead and alive. And then Jesus will separate and separate correctly. We find this in Matthew chapter 25, verses 32 through 33. He separates the sheep from the goats. He puts the sheep on the right side and he puts the goats on the left side. See, back in the old days, this harkens back to the time where you would have shepherds who would care for their flocks, and that would be uh, cattle and sheep and goats and other kind of livestock, and they would just allow them to roam in the fields, right, as shepherds would. And if you got further enough away from the herds of animals, and as you, as you got closer to them, it, it would be hard to distinguish what a sheep is from a goat. I mean, way off in the distance, all you see are animals, right? It's, it's really difficult to cipher between which is a sheep and which is a goat. And by the end of the day, as the day comes to a close and it becomes nightfall, and the shepherds gather all of the sheep and the goats and the cattle and all the livestock together, it was the responsibility of the shepherd to rightly separate the sheep from the goats. If you didn't do that, you weren't a very good shepherd. You would correctly see that as a sheep, it goes to the right. That is a goat that goes to the left. You don't want intermingling of sheep and goats together. That would be uh, poor stewardship of your animals, of your flock. You would rightly sort which animals belong to the other. And that's the image that Jesus is, is explaining in Matthew 25, is that when Jesus comes back in glory, when Jesus gathers all people to himself, both alive and dead, he will separate the sheep from the goats. Jesus knows who his sheep are. We find in Isaiah chapter 40, he says, I will tend my flock like a shepherd. I will gather the lambs in my arms. I will carry them in my bosom and gently lead those that are young. Ezekiel chapter 34 says, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. John chapter 10 says, the sheep will hear his voice and he calls his sheep by name, by name, and leads them out. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. And then Revelation chapter 7 says, For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. Jesus Christ knows his sheep. And not only that, he knows them by name, by first name, by middle name, by last name. Jesus knows his sheep. And furthermore, Jesus knows who are the goats. And funny enough, he knows who are the goats by not knowing them, but we'll discuss that later. So Jesus will come in glory. Jesus will gather all peoples to himself. Jesus will separate all peoples and all peoples correctly. So if you have a pen and, pa uh, pen and pencil or, and, and some paper, I want you to write this down. I want you to write down probaton, probaton. I don't know how to spell it. <laughs> don't ask me how to spell it. Probaton. Probaton in, in, in the Greek is sheep. 
Jesus will, will separate the probaton from the eraphos. Eraphos meaning goats. He will separate the probaton from the eraphos. And just for an illustration this morning, I'm going to use y'all as an illustration. And this middle aisle is the dividing line. This side, y'all are probaton. Man, y'all are lucky. Y'all are probaton. Y'all are sheep. Awesome. Great. This side, ooh, there's a lot more people on this side. Uh, sorry, guys. Y'all are, y'all are going to be goats this morning. I know y'all aren't goats. I love y'all, but y'all are goats this morning. So y'all will be all used as an illustration. So fourth, Jesus will call his people to inherit the eternal kingdom. So what Jesus does after he separates, and he separates correctly, Jesus looks to his sheep. I'll get to y'all goats in just a moment. But he looks at his sheep. I want y'all to listen. Don't be, you know, tuning out. Don't want y'all to fall asleep. He looks at the sheep, probaton. (laughs) Awesome. Y'all did it. Y'all are faithful. My good and faithful probaton. Come and inherit the kingdom of God. Now, just for a second, we can unpack that sentence. So when Jesus says, Come, come and inherit the eternal kingdom. That is Jesus Christ, King Jesus, inviting his people, inviting them to come to the eternal kingdom. It's like a birthday party, y'all. This is Jesus Christ inviting y'all. Y'all got the invitation and y'all showed up. Come and enjoy the birthday party that is the eternal kingdom. And what's funny is that the sheep, the probaton, they go, um, come and inherit the kingdom of God. What, what, what did we do? And Jesus goes, because I was thirsty, you gave me drink. Because I was hungry, you fed me. Because I was naked, you clothed me. Because I was sick and in prison, you visited me. And they respond, Jesus, uh, we didn't see you naked. And we don't want to see you naked. Uh, when did we clothe you? Jesus, when, when were you hungry? We, we didn't feed you. When were you thirsty? Mm, you, you didn't tell us you were thirsty. And Jesus says, because you did this to the least of these, you did it unto me. Jesus invites his probaton to come, an invitation. Come and enjoy the eternal kingdom with me. But there's more. Not only does he say, come and and inherit the kingdom of God. He says, come as an invitation, but to inherit. And the only way to inherit something is somebody has to die. Somebody has to die in order to get an inheritance. I can't get my mother's or my father's inheritance until they pass away. And I hope that's a long time from now. But they have to die in order for me to get their inheritance We think about the prodigal son. When he came up to his father, the prodigal son, he says, you are dead to me, dad. You are dead to me. You are in the grave. I want my money. I want my stuff. I want the goods. Jesus says, come, sheep, probaton. Come and inherit the kingdom of God. I died so you can inherit the kingdom of God. I died on a cross so you can enjoy the eternal kingdom with me. I shed my blood for you so you can enjoy the eternal kingdom with me. And then on top of that, you did not earn it. 
You did not deserve it, Probaton. I took care of it for you. I took care of you. And like sheep who know their shepherd, they come and they inherit the kingdom of God. Probaton, you made it. Then he looks over to his left. He's done with the sheep, but don't, don't fall asleep. Then he turns to the sheep, or he turns to the goats, and he goes, Erephos, Erephos, depart from me. I don't know who you are. I don't even know who you are. I don't even know your name. And as he explains, because you did not give me drink when I was thirsty, you did not give me food when I was hungry, you did not clothe me when I was naked, you didn't come and visit me when I was sick and in prison. And Erephos, just for a moment, can you, can you just feel that sinking feeling for just a second? To be like, oh man, I'm, I sat on the wrong side this morning. That one time I went to go get a different perspective this morning, I'm, I'm a goat. Didn't see that coming. But can you just imagine the sinking feeling of an Erephos when Jesus separates and he separates correctly of what it feels like to be a goat, to be an Erephos, and be like, Hold on a second, Jesus. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a good person. I vote Republican. Uh, I eat red meat. Um, I do a bunch of good things. I give to a bunch of charities. I don't break the, the law. I don't get put in prison. I do my work and I do it well. Jesus, you, you did something wrong. Yeah, I, you know, look, let's, let's relook at the book of life for just a second. I gotta, I gotta be in there somewhere. And Jesus says, Erephos, I don't know who you are. And the last point is that Jesus casts his enemies out into eternal punishment. Jesus will cast out his enemies into eternal punishment. And this harkens back into Matthew chapter 7, this, this other discourse well known as the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus is, is teaching the people on the mountainside, and he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. On that day, many people will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then Jesus says, then I will declare to them, I did not know you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I did not know you. And so as the wages of sin is death, they were cast into the eternal fire, the eternal flame that was prepared for the devil and his demons. Now just for a second, Erephos, I imagine even in this room, there are some good people. Y'all are the best right here. Y'all are the best. I love you guys. There are some good people in here. But here is a sad fact, a heartbreaking fact. There are some good people in hell. There are some really, really good people in hell. And you can probably imagine a few people of your own, as, as I can. Some good people are in eternal punishment today. And that's not a question of why does God allow that to happen, but rather, why did we choose not to follow Christ? Why did we not 
decide to be one of God's sheep, to know and have a relationship with Christ. So this morning, we discussed about what will Jesus do? WWJD, what will Jesus do this morning? Y'all are no longer goats and sheep. I'm speaking to all of y'all this morning now. But now we have to ask the question, what will we do? WWWD. What will we do in the meantime? So Jesus paints out the picture of this is going to happen one day, someday in the future. We don't know when it's going to happen. This will happen. Jesus put a stamp of approval on it. It will happen. So now we've got to ask the question, what will we do in the meantime? See, because the king who is the judge, who is sitting, on the, uh, sitting in glory on his throne, he associates himself with the lowly, lowly, lowly. See, Christian, your regard for the lowly, for the low, 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 is a lower submission to the king. So Christian, what will you do in the meantime? Will you carry out the Great Commission? Will you share your faith with others? Will you help those who are in desperate need, desperate need of resources, and most importantly, the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will you love God and love others? Will you get out of your comfort zone and tell somebody about Jesus? Christian, will you invite your neighbor to church next Sunday? What will you do in the meantime? Before Jesus comes back, Christian, what will you do in the meantime? We are to love God. We are to love others. And others is a very broad and all-encompassing phrase. See, we like to love people who love us, right? That's easy. We love others who agree with us to tell us that we're right. That's always a good feeling. We love our family, some of our family, most all of our family. We love those who are easy to get along with. We love others who are in good company with us. But that's not the definition of others, is it? Jesus said we are to love our enemies. Who are our enemies? See, when Jesus says, when you love God and you love others, that means that you love the drug addict. You love the prostitute. You love the homosexual. You love the transgender. You love others who don't agree with you on the political spectrum. You, uh, you love others who hate you. You love others who are alcoholics. You love others who just want to spit in your face. You are to love others to the least of these. Because when we love others to the least of these, Jesus says, you love me. We find in James, James chapter 2, we find in James chapter 2 verse 26, the evidence of our faith that is inside of us is shown through works of faith. 
to love God and to love others, to share to the world, I love God and I love others. I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and I am not going to work as in to earn my salvation, but I'm going to work because of salvation. I'm to love others who do not love me. I'm going to reach people with the gospel who hate me. I'm going to reach people with the gospel who don't care about me. I'm going to reach people with the gospel period. I'm going to forgive others because God has forgiven me. I'm going to love others because God loves me. I'm going to show mercy on people because God showed mercy on me. I'm going to show grace on people because God showed grace upon me, a lowly sinner. So when Jesus says that you submit and that you reach people with the gospel and love them to the least of these, you love me. Probaton. You are to love God and you are to love others when it's good and when it's hard. And most of the time, it's hard. Christian, what are you going to do in the meantime? Will we stay faithful in hard times? When we struggle and we fail and we make mistakes, will we continue to run to Jesus? When we, when we succeed and good times roll, will we fall at the feet of the cross? Or Christian, are we going to stay silent? And are we going to slowly fade away? Will we slowly cover the light of the gospel and fear? Are we... Will we choose not to love God and will we choose not to love others? Or will we not point to Jesus even in our failures and successes? What will we do in the meantime? So to wrap up this morning, I have a couple of questions I need to ask before we have a time of invitation. Three questions. And the first one was the first question I asked before we even jumped into the passage this morning. People in this room, do you know who you are? Are you a sheep? Are you a probaton? Are you an erephos? Are you a goat? See, remember, Jesus knows. He knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. He also knows the goats. He knows them by not knowing them. So honest to goodness this morning, who do you believe you are? Are you a sheep? Are you a goat? I guess the scariest thing is, is are you a goat in sheep's clothing? Because again, Jesus knows who are his sheep and who are his goats. Second question, Christian, in this room, are you ready for Jesus to come back? See, we didn't get to dive into this this morning just for sake of time. But Matthew chapters 24 and 25, before we jumped into our passage this morning, the precursor of all of this were of people who were not ready. The workers were not ready for the master to come back. The virgins were not ready for the groom to arrive. People were not ready for what was to come. Christian, this morning, are you ready for Jesus to come back, to come back and say, sheep, probaton, my good and faithful servants, come and inherit the kingdom of God. 
Because Jesus says that like a thief in the night, he's got to come back. If he told us when he was coming back, he's a terrible thief. But like a thief in the night, he's going to come back. We don't know when. It could be later today. It could be five years from now. We do not know. Christian, are you ready for Jesus to come back? And then last question, unbeliever in this room. Do you need Jesus? Do you need the shepherd? Let's ask some hard questions. Do you need him? Do you, honest to goodness, need him right now? I'm not asking, do you want Jesus? I'm not asking, is Jesus convenient for you July 18th, 2021? I'm not asking you, do you want a mystical genie in a bottle? I'm not asking you if you want a spiritual buddy to pal around with you this morning. Do you need a shepherd to love you, to forgive you, to die for you, and to invite you to come and inherit the kingdom of God? We've got those three questions And we've got very little time in our time of invitation this morning. We're only going to sing a couple of verses. But then in that time of invitation, as we're singing those songs, I want you to think. Think about those questions. Ladies and gentlemen, I do not want to leave today seeing goats leaving this room. I don't want Eriphos leaving this room. I don't want to see Probaton discouraged and downtrodden and beaten up. I want probaton sheep. I want sheep to be emboldened in their faith this morning. As we come into a time of invitation, I want you to think about those questions and ask God these really hard questions. So as we stand for our time of invitation, as we sing these songs, if you have questions about salvation, if you have questions about baptism, if you have questions about church membership, if you have prayer requests, The time is now to come. Jesus says, like a thief in the night, I'm coming quickly. And quickly he is. So let us stand for our time of invitation as we sing these songs. If God is leading you to come down.